0: Well, we're in a series that uh, we are calling How to Do Life by Jesus. If you've got your Bibles there, I encourage you to open them up to Matthew chapter 6. And it's really looking at the lifestyle that Jesus calls his followers to seek to live, not just once a week, but every day of our life. Everywhere we go, in all things. And for some of us as we've been working our way through the series, this is a reminder to us. I think for some, which is great, it's an encouragement to you. But for others, this is, as you might be sitting here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus at all. Uh, This is new to you. This This hopefully gives you an insight into the lifestyle that Jesus calls his followers to live. It's really important to point out this, that what Jesus is saying is not a bunch of rules. If you see it as a bunch of rules, hey, that's not where it, Jesus wants it to be for you. It's a hard issue How, that you actually want to you actually want to live this. This, what we have been working through, is very much a challenge for the world in which we live today. This is so countercultural what we're talking about. So there is the challenge of actually doing it in the culture in which we live. Very hard but as we heard even from Jonathan as he spoke last week, it stands out like never before. So today we we read what Jesus has to say on the area of giving. And if you were at church last Sunday night, you're probably going, oh, should I come this morning? I'm glad you have. Maybe you just might need to hear it twice. I'm not too sure. But this is what Jesus says Uh, in Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 to 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The Generous Giver's Guide. Generosity is a virtue of not being tied down by concerns about one's possessions. I think I might have shared this story. It might have been a while ago for some of you. This this will be a new little story, but it highlights the challenge when it comes to being generous. When it comes to giving, of being a generous giver, and it's a story of a farmer who went and visited a friend of, within the congregation. The pastor went and sorry, a farmer a pastor went and visited a farmer friend in the congregation. We got that? Because I've just worked it out. And and they were talking over the fence one day about being generous. And the pastor asked the farmer, Bruce, If you had one hundred horses, would you give me fifty of those horses? Bruce said, Certainly, Pastor. The pastor then asked Bruce, if you had 100 cows, would you give me 50 of your cows for free? Of course I would, Bruce said, of course I would. Then the pastor asked Bruce, if you had two pigs, would you give me one? Bruce paused. He said, hang on a minute, pastor, you know I have two pigs. You know, generosity sounds good in theory. I think we all would like to be generous. But many of us picture ourselves as being generous but in reality we might find it very hard to give up one pig. Many a person today in society believes the church just wants your money. And if you're visiting this morning... I would hope that you don't feel that way but walking in you're thinking I think this and now I walk in and I'm hearing about it. I would hope this morning as you listen to what I've got to say it gives you a, a bit more of a guide that, that, that the church doesn't just want your money in any way. That's not what Jesus was about and is about. For some of you, you think this morning, well... Uh, Here comes the giving talk and it can do all sorts of things within a church. There's many a story, there's many an illustration but we don't want to go into all of that this morning. But it can touch a nerve. It can cause people to react in such a way that it can actually cause disunity. You might be thinking, well why are you talking about it this morning Tim? I I do what I do every week. When I first get that care link, I open to page two and the, the top right hand corner, that's the first thing I do and it looks mighty healthy this morning and it was a very healthy res, um, giving last week. But, but then I think, well, there's never a better time to do it actually. Sometimes when pastors get up to do the giving talk, all things are sinking quickly and I'm out to make you feel guilty and we're going to have an offering at the end of the service. We're not going to do that. But I'm just reminded again that this is a message for you to think about how you're going about living a Jesus lifestyle and in particular this morning when it comes to being generous. And as we work through this and we, and we focus mainly on finances, it's also worth highlighting too, it's being generous with our time. It's being generous in the way in which we use the gifts. As I look out into this room here, how many gifts sit in this room that God has, has, has here in this room. And sadly, some of you are just holding it on for yourself and his kingdom's not benefiting from it at all. Others of you are, are just a great example of that, of being incredibly generous with the gifts that God has given to you. When it comes to giving, we must come with a generous spirit. We must come with a generous spirit if we want to give generously. Ruth Schmelzer, an author, said this, you have not truly lived today unless you have done something for someone who will never be able to repay you. Every one of us here this morning would wholeheartedly again endorse this principle of generosity. It's very appealing when you're on the receiving end of it. Yet when we lack generosity, in fact, when we do not excel in in, in generosity—and not just talking finances, money here—we we cannot have full devotion to God. It's like our Christianity is a pie. Imagine it for a pie, and and it's like that pie. You get a pie, and 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 a slice of it's missing. Devotion to God is, in a sense, we're all in, in everything. We can't just say, well, I'm going to take that bit of the pie out. No, it's all in. In this section of the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew 6, Jesus examines the part of our Christian life that's not seen by many others. It's the part of our Christian life that no one else can see. It's, In a sense, it's a secret life with God. It's worth noting as we've made our way through this series over the last uh, number of months here is that the first 16 verses Jesus speaks about what uh, what sort of people we should be as Christians, and then in the next verses from 17 to 48 he speaks about how we should live that out that Christian faith out in the world, and then in these verses, verses 1 to 18 in chapter 6, he speaks about our, about our intimate relationship with our Father in heaven. And it's one of the more challenging sections of the entire Bible because Jesus looks at the things like giving, praying and fasting. And what he does, as we've seen already, he contrasts how followers of Jesus should uh, seek to want to live, the life soul that Jesus wants to live and he, and he lines that up with the Pharisees. He lines it up with the hypocrites. He says, this is how I want you to live, this is how I don't want you to live. follow these teachings, follow my words on this, not the example of the hypocrites, not the example of the Pharisees. And folks, they're still the hypocrites and they're still the Pharisees of our day, still in the church today. He says, no, go back to these teachings, go back to my word. This is how the Jesus lifestyle should be and lived out. A number of months ago now, we went through the Lord's Prayer. So we're, we're going to focus on This area of giving this morning. Jesus begins by talking about giving, and he gives us a really good guide here for us. And we're going to go through a few of these. And I encourage you as we go through these to be able to go, well, hey, this is I'm okay here. This is this is a challenge for me. Where am I at with this? As I line myself up with this, first thing is this is to be converted. This is where it starts. Jesus introduced. Uh, the first example with the words here, so when you give in verse 2, Jesus assumed that his disciples would give. There's an assumption that that, that happens as Jesus followers, As devout Jews, they, they would give in, in, in two ways, by a tithe, the tenth of their income and they would also give voluntary and it would be no surprise that if a devout Jew was giving at least one sixth of his income away. And the act of giving is part of what it means to be a Christian. It's one of the things that, that happens, should happen when we come into a relationship with Jesus. That we would want to give our time. We would want to give as we acknowledge the gifts that he's given to us, we would want to use them. That, is just, that should happen. And with the finances that he's given to us, we would want to give that away generously. You know, Martin Luther, the theologian and reformer, said there are three conversions that take place he says the conversion of the mind the conversion of the heart and the conversion of the wallet to be generous doesn't mean you have to be rich own lots of stuff it's being generous with what you have and to to be converted requires a change of heart and a change of attitude That's the starting point. Before we come into a relationship with Jesus, we tend to think that our money is our own and that we have the right to do with it what we like. When we're converted, we realise that everything we have does belong to God and that it is he who's sharing it with us and giving us the responsibility of it Sometimes people will say, well, I work really hard for my money that I've got. That's absolutely true. not doubting that. God's probably given you those gifts too that allow you to to earn that money as well and the abilities there. When we come to Christ, we should realise that rather than being the owners of the money, we're the managers. We're the caretakers. We're the stewards of what God has given to us to to manage it well. A few years ago, someone came to to me and said, Tim, I'd love Sonia and you to be able to stay at our our holiday house. And um, when they came to us and they said that to us, um, they said, you can use whatever is in the house. And uh, it, it was one of those sort of homes that was just beautiful. Just not saying ours isn't, but it had a beautiful view. It just... It was just magnificent and we just had the greatest time there and we used anything and everything we could find in that house. We just had the best time. But at no time did we think, well, this is ours. No. We just had the responsibility for it at that time. Now, I don't think they ever went back to that house for as clean as... uh, my wife encouraged us to clean the house afterwards. I don't think that would ever had parts of that house clean before. But, but we, we took responsibility while we were there. We looked after it. And we had the best time. But we knew it wasn't ours. Did we think just for a minute, wouldn't be bad if it was ours? I'm not going to lie. I thought, well, gee, this looks pretty good. But anyway, but it wasn't. It was someone else's and we had the responsibility of the time to, to look after it. And in the same way, we're responsible for the money that God has entrusted us to manage. For some of you guys, people, it's pocket money. It's part-time job money. For others of us, it's full-time money. Significant amounts of money for some of you. The New Testament reminds us when it comes to our finances. The, we're called to give regularly. We're called to, to to give generously. We're called to give cheerfully. You know, Paul, the writer of much of the New Testament, says in Second Corinthians nine, he says, "God loves the cheerful giver." Don't give uh, out of out of compulsion. Shouldn't be out of sorrow, or shouldn't be forced. Giving actually should be fun. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but giving should actually be fun. Now, I'm not saying when the offering plates come past you, whoo, you know, all of a sudden there's no dancing in churches anyway. But but no, in all seriousness, but, but but it's actually something that happens when you bless someone. You you give to a a cause of Jesus or to help someone out, that you should actually see this as something really enjoyable to do. You know, there's no rules about how much you should give, only that it should be of a generous proportion of what we have. You know, the writer Oswald Sanders points out that in the Bible we read, of Jacob the swindler gave a tenth, Zacchaeus the despised tax collector gave a half, The poor and unnamed widow gave all she had to live on. The devout Jew gave at least, as I said, a sixth of his income. Jesus didn't say, well, this is the percentage you must give. If we take his teachings on board, we'll realise that even to argue about percentages is to totally miss the point. not so much a matter of how much I give away but how much in fact do I need to keep second thing is this build your secret life with God see this in verses two and three this is a secret activity in relationship with God between you and God now if you're married here today I encourage you to talk to your spouse about that what it is jesus isn't saying you're not allowed to do that i think it's actually not a bad conversation to have actually together regularly how generous can we be how generous are we it was the practices we read of the pharisees the hypocrites that fell short of this teaching and Jesus says, hypocritical. So when you give to the needy, he says, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. And that Greek word hypocrites was originally used for an actor in a play and it came to mean someone who was pretending to be something that they were not. Jesus was saying that the giving of the Pharisees is as if when they gave, they sent out the trumpets on a head blowing a fanfare to draw the crowd so the maximum amount of people could see what they were giving so they would be honored not sure but maybe someone can tell me this. Maybe that's where the saying comes of blowing your own trumpet. I'm not sure. But that's what they were about. Jesus says if you give in order to get honour from others, that's exactly what you will get and no more you've received your reward in full. We shouldn't be about seeking to receive honour from other people. Gain a reward from others and in a sense you lose it from God. In reading a commentary on these verses, one writer invites us to examine our lives in the light of Jesus' words here and he says, ask the question, how much remains to come to you from God? How many rewards remain to come to you from God. And then he adds this. It's a terrifying thought. Jesus says that when we give, not only should we not tell others, but in a sense we shouldn't really even be telling ourselves. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now it's a figurative language there, but really his highlight point is this, total secrecy. total secrecy you know over time in my role i have had people come up to me and they will say i'd like to give this gift to someone or through our time to build it happened a number of times and they would always finish the sentence but please do not tell anyone and that's the example that i want to give to you that the jesus is about absolute secrecy Whatever we do, whether in secret or in open, our motive should be to the glory of God, not our own glory. Third thing is this, become more like God. This goes without saying that we should become more like our Father in heaven. What's God's attitude? Paul says this, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 2 Corinthians 9.15 and the gift is the supreme gift that we, I would hope, all know. But it says, to remind you, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life. The motive for giving should be love, giving in a way to become like God. As we heard last week, and Luke spoke about this, but I want to highlight this it's a path. To holiness. Giving is a path to holiness. It's a holy act where, where where good is done. And giving is actually a Jesus model to others. But more important it is obedient to him. It takes us out of the constricting grip of materialism. To have more and more. I can't give it away. I need to spend it on myself. It takes us away from that, which does destroy so many lives. Become more like God. The fourth thing is this. You benefit from God's reward. What a great thought, isn't it? God's reward. I want to be rewarded by God. What a great reminder for us from Jesus that God will reward our giving should result of an overflowing of love and kindness of heart where it actually seems for me, hopefully, that it's impossible not to give. That we are so full of thanks to God for what he has given that we cannot wait to give in response. I can't wait to give. I've I, I got to be honest, I don't think like that all the time. But that's where we should be. There are people that sit out here today and you need to be encouraged that, that you are like that. It's like an itch for you. You need someone to scratch it for you. You come to me and say, Tim, i just got to give something. I want to help someone. I want to see a need. I want to give an opportunity to someone. That says to me a lot about where you are with your relationship with God and I say, well done. When we give with this attitude, Jesus says, then your Father who sees what you have done in secret will reward you. What Jesus is contrasting is not the method of reward but the source of the reward and therefore the quality of the reward. Some people, and you might even be one of them, find it actually a little bit distasteful and inappropriate to even think of rewards in a, in a Christian context. I, I would just say this, to be really careful, to try not to be more spiritual nilly than Jesus. These are Jesus' words. Jesus spoke about rewards and it's not the only time that we see that in the Bible. He didn't promise us material prosperity here in this life but he does speak in terms of reward. A reward will come. Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 sees giving as best as an investment when he says this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is the principle of the harvest. Giving is planting a seed. It's investing in the future. Whatever we give to God, He will multiply. You might not see it with your own eyes how that's going to happen, but He will. If we lay up ourselves for treasures here on earth, moth and rust are going to destroy it. It's going to happen. We live in... um, Croydon and um, I joked, but it's true that it's the new Turak but anyway we won't go on about that for too long, Croydon South. But here's the thing, Croydon South, Turak, wherever you live there are houses getting demolished that were once someone's pride and joy and one day 12 Mulduri Crescent where we live that house will be flattened for the next group of people that are going to come in it's not going to last forever even though we love the house love the place and all that makes up the house but it's of earth moth and rust destroy it along with bulldozers (laughs) if we want treasure in heaven we need to send it on in advance what we hold on to, we lose, but what we give, we keep forever. The people that I know who are generous people seem to be so much more happier, more freer, have lighter in their souls. Their life's not perfect because they give. They've got the challenges as, as you do. But, but what I notice is this, is that they have the ability to continue to give to see beyond themselves which continues to bring them joy the world of the generous this is how the message puts proverbs 11:24 the world of the generous gets larger and larger the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller you know mother teresa was asked whether it is only the affluent who give her response was no she said, even the poorest of the poor give. In a story told of her, she says, the other day a very poor beggar came up to me and said, everyone gives to you, Mother Teresa, and I also want to give to you. And he handed her what would be the equivalent for us, would be about two coin, a $2 coin. She said, I thought to myself, what do I do if I take it He won't have anything to eat. But if I don't take it, I'd hurt him so much. So I took it. And he was so happy because he'd given to Mother Teresa of Calcutta to help the poor. Benefit from God's reward. Finally this, begin to see the world change around you. Begin to see the world change around you. I can use this person's name because he's come here before and spoken, but one of my close friends uh, in my time at Cinder was a guy by the name of John Gibbs. And uh, John's the guy who, who said to me, and I think I shared this maybe once with you, he says, I want my last check to bounce. When I die, I want my last check to bounce. And uh, many years ago, John was at a smaller church and uh, they were asking for a youth leader. And uh, no one put their hand up and in the end John said, well I'll do it. I don't really like young people but I'll do it, he said. (laughs) Well that's an encouragement if you're a parent and you knew that, didn't you? But anyway, he said, I'll do it. And uh, the second week in, uh, he said, what what do we want to do? What do we want to do? Because he had no idea. And... um, the first week was bowling or something he thought that's what youth groups do go bowling but the second week he said what do you want to do and then one young guy piped up he said I want to sponsor a child and he said well let's sponsor a church let's sponsor a church in Africa and this little youth group three or four I think it was max and uh, they began to sponsor a little church in Africa and you know what years on this little church in Africa now is a, uh, is a Bible college. It's a hospital. It's a refuge for um, uh, women who are abused. It's a school and it's a, it's a place where the poor actually go here in, in, uh, in Africa. I don't tell that story very well. Uh, I wish John was here and he could tell it much better. But how amazing is that? Sometimes we think, well, I I can't make a difference. What difference can I make? Well, when we're generous with our our time, when we're generous with our gifts that God's given, when we're generous with the money, the good news is you can. You actually can. Jesus is going to use you. Absolutely. I remember taking a a team, this is in my notes, I just thought of this. I remember taking a a group of people to... um, Northern Territory to a place called Yundamu back when I was a youth pastor at Sindil, and we took about 14 or 15 young people to, um, to Yundamu which is way up top. Some people only know Yundamu for a footballer that played for Melbourne. can't even remember his name now but anyway. And uh, anyway, it's, it was amazing, 14 days there and um, I remember coming back and uh, one guy came to me uh, one lady came to me and said, this is where God's called me. I'm going back. And to this day, she's there now, still there. And this was about, what, 17 years ago now. And another guy came back and he said, I'm never going back there again. <laughs> but what I will do is I'll send money. He still sponsors her and keeps her there working in that group of people, in that Aboriginal community. You know, it's it's a matter of saying, you know what, God, I want to offer myself. I want to be generous with my time. I want to be generous with my gifts that you've given to me and I want to be generous with my finances. For some of us, cobwebs come out when we open our wallet. You know, that's not what Jesus wants of us. He wants us to say, hey, I want to overflow with generosity of my time my finances, my gifts. You know, you can make an impact for the kingdom of God with your generosity. The church, I believe, might be biased, but I believe the church is one of the best places, if not the best place, to be able to do that, to do something about global poverty, to do things about preventable diseases, to be the place that shares the good news of Jesus a place that offers hopeless, hope for the hopelessness to be able to change the world that surrounds us. Is this church a generous church? Yes, absolutely and I want to say well done but for some of you it's time maybe to get on board to do that. We've we got new staff that are coming on board and they're, they're going to require, they're going to need people who are, who are going to be willing to be generous with their time. So they take over from Barry, Jeanette and as Dave begins in the children's ministry and the other ministries of our church, of Bread Run and these sort of places. We should give generously to the local church, I believe, and to other Christian organisations. I think of Baptist World Aid, Set a goal of $5,000 for the year. We should achieve that to help out a community in Nepal. You do that, it's going to change their lives and you're going to be rewarded for that. And the kingdom of God is going to benefit from that. You know, William Wilberforce was able to play his part in bringing an end to slavery because there was a group of bankers who got together to fund what he was trying to do. Generous people. And one of them was a guy by the name of Henry Thornton and Henry Thornton gave seven-eighths of his wage. Some of us are called to be those type of people here in the 21st century, to give to the church so that it's able to carry out the God-given message to be the hope of the world, to share Jesus, to care for people, to encourage people to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Jesus was rich yet for you and for me, he became poor so that we might become rich. We are now co-heirs with him. We will inherit one day but in the meantime he asks us to follow in his steps in giving generously. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we thank you for the teachings of Jesus. My prayer is for many of us who actually know these words and know them well, that that we would continue or begin to again or start to want to be obedient to these words, That, that within our lifestyle living for you, Generous giving would not be a a slice of the pie that's missing. That we would, in a sense, between you and I, God, that we would work out and commit to being generous givers. That we would want to become more like you, aware of what you have done for us knowing that there is eternal rewards. If we give in secret, we give generously. God, give us eyes and ears for opportunities to be able to help the needy, to serve the needy. Opportunities to give to your church here at Killside South to be able to see the needs of those even in our own neighbourhood. I want to pray, God, right now, for parents with with young teenagers, young children, that they would want to seek to talk and that they would want to talk with them about the importance of, of these words of yours, Jesus, but then model it to their children as well. Lord, I pray and thank you for this church that's filled with people who are so very generous with their finances, their times and the using of the gifts that you have blessed them with, thank you God for them. May they be encouraged today. May they even be willing to possibly raise the bar on themselves even more if that's opportunities that allow. But for others, I pray God, as they think about these words, the teachings of Jesus here, that they would, they would actually want to respond to be generous in their giving. For we pray this in your precious name. Amen. Thanks, Kate.